Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. Psalm 61. You know, maybe in some of your Bibles, it might read in a heading near Psalm 61 to the chief musician on a stringed instrument, a Psalm of David. You ever wonder why we usually have some music or something going during the reading of the word or during worship? You know, we always have worship mixed with the word. That's because the Bible talks about it. And David did it. Music with the word and faith, it excites the presence of the Lord. And that's why miracles have already happened to this day. Amen. Amen. So thank you. Amen for that music over there. Praise God. Psalm 61. Hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows, and you have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. He will prolong the king's life, his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. Oh, prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So I will sing praise to your name forever that I may daily perform my vows. Can you say amen to the word? Amen. This morning our subject is crying out to God from the end of the earth. Crying out to God from the end of the earth. Amen. The life of David is something else. His ministry, the psalms that he wrote, is so special. And everybody, no matter what walk of life you come from, you can find yourself in the life of David. He came from nothing, was a nobody, but he caught the eye and the favor of the Lord because he was a worshiper. And he loved to praise the Lord. And what was so special about David that was so dear to God's heart is... He would worship God even when he was by himself. His praise was never to be seen. He didn't have to have somebody else's praise motivate his praise, but he simply just praised the Lord out there with nothing but a bunch of sheep and a bunch of rocks and a bunch of hills. He didn't need an atmosphere or a setting or the perfect place or the perfect time. Oh, no, he learned to praise God even while he was working. He knew how to praise God, amen, even in the midst of responsibility, And God looked down and said, if I can see a man praise me like that, think of what he'll do, amen, when I make him king, praise God. And the Lord, amen, sent Samuel the prophet to pour oil upon his head and to prophesy over his life that he would one day arise up and become king of Israel. And God did this because the man that he had was not a worshiper. He was not a praiser. King Saul had become a political man. It was all about his titles and all about his authority and all about looking good. And I've come to learn and realize, especially in the past few months, that if you really ever want to get a hold of God, it'll come when you're broken. The most powerful experiences that you will ever have and the greatest connections that you will ever have with God is when your heart is broken and your mind is open. Because sometimes we have a tendency to think, I'm good. I don't need that. I'm good. 
I don't need to worship up there with all them people. They got all them problems. They need the worship. But I can sit back here because I'm just so good. And I am just so perfect. Come on, King Saul. You can do better than that. <laughs> Never ever feel like you are good. For there is none good in the eyes of God, but only the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is good. I don't care if you've been in Pentecost for 45 years or 450 years or four minutes, however long it is, you need God, amen, to get good. You need God to get righteousness. You need to worship him. You need to love him. And you offering your praise unto him, amen, God will bless you. He'll heal your mind. He'll change your heart and wash you all over again, amen. You're never going to get to heaven all on your own. Oh, no, it's only through the blood of Jesus and his power, amen, that you and I are going to get to heaven. That's why we worship him. That's why we love him. That's how David got the favor of God, and that's how you can get the favor of God. Oh, can you clap your hands unto him and shout unto him like David wrote about? Hallelujah. Praise his name. Oh, forevermore. Hallelujah. David saw God do great victories. When nobody else would fight a giant, David went and fought the giants. When there was vast armies of Philistines and Moabites and all the other enemies surrounding Israel, when nobody else could fight him, David and his small army would go and the angels of the Lord would fight for him. Praise God. He saw miraculous things. The kingdom expanded under his leadership because he knew how to pray. He knew how to praise. He knew, amen, how to let God fight the battle for him. And that is how God blessed and did amazing things in his life. He wrote psalms about it. History is recorded about him. And the Lord's favor was so much upon his life that he said, I establish your seed forever to be upon the throne of Israel. Amen. And eventually David's great, 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 great grandson, the Lord Jesus Christ, amen has permanently take up residence, amen, as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, not over Israel, not only Kansas City, but the entire world, heaven, hell, everywhere. He is King, he is Lord forevermore. And it all started because David caught the favor of God, amen. But David had challenges. He had battles. He suffered betrayal. He suffered hurt. His own father-in-law wanted to kill him. King Saul looked and he could not stand to see David succeed. He could not stand to see the favor of the Lord upon his life. And he felt a threat from him because of God's favor. And David, although he knew how to fight, he probably could have taken out King Saul from day one. But he knew, I cannot fight the Lord's anointing. For if I put my hand upon him, my life and my future is over. The only thing he had left to do was to flee and to run away and go into hiding. And it was during these times of hiding, he didn't complain, he didn't blame. You know what he did? The same thing he'd always done, worship the Lord. <laughs> Write songs about the situation and call upon the Lord to help him get him out of it. In Psalm 61, it's a psalm written by David when he felt so far from God. He felt like he couldn't even talk to God in a normal tone of voice. He felt so far from God that he had to raise his voice. You know, when he wrote Psalm 23, that was a quiet psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. He's so close to me, I can feel literally his rod and his staff. He's leading me like he's leading sheep. 
Not in Psalm 61. Oh no, God's far away. He feels betrayed. Feels like he can't trust anybody. Fleeing from his own family. And instead of praying quietly like the Lord is near, oh no, it was not, Lord, how sweet you are or how great of a shepherd you are. It was, oh Lord, I'm at the farthest ends of the earth and I don't know where to turn and I don't know where to go and I don't know what to do. Mm. You know, I grew up in this church. I got baptized and got the Holy Ghost in 720 South Richmond. I can remember the first time in my, you know, as I grew and began to remember things and getting to figure God out. I remember going to youth camp for the first time and wondering, am I going to feel God over there as I do here? And I've come to tell you, amen, the God that you can feel here, you can feel it anywhere. You can feel it at home. You can feel it at work. You can feel it in the car. You can feel it in prison. <laughs> you can feel it on vacation. If you're an astronaut, you go to the moon, you can feel it on the moon. If you dig deep enough and go to the center of the earth, you can feel it there because God is everywhere. And there's no place that he is not present. Sometimes life can make you feel far from God. Sometimes life can make you feel like God is abandoning you. And you feel like you have to yell to get his attention. I've been in a place where I felt like God was not listening to me and I've had to say, God, please listen to me. That's what David prayed. He said, Lord, hear my cry. Attend to my prayer. That's not demanding God. That's not commanding God. That's not coming to God with a spirit of entitlement that you must hear me. You've got to hear me. Oh no, God doesn't have to hear anybody. He only does it because He wants to. He only does it because He loves you. But I've learned when you come to God and say, Lord, please listen to me. God, attend unto my prayer. What you are doing is you are saying, God, I am not worthy enough to even have your attention. And I'm just coming to you in hopes and in faith and in trusting. Amen. For you to hear me. That type of attitude and that type of faith and that type of spirit. Amen. God will bow down his ear unto you. It'll be as it were. He stops what he's doing for everything else and everybody else just to listen to what you have to say. Amen. Some of you, you have not because you ask not. And God wants to know. Amen. Do you want God to hear you bad enough that you'll ask him for it? Praise God. It turned into prayer. It turned into worship. And intermingled with all of that, he was asking the Lord, help me during this hard time when there is betrayal and literally civil war happening between me and the king. David said, God, I'm crying out to you from the end of the earth, my Lord. It would be like us saying, Lord, I'm at the end of my rope. I've done all I can. I don't know what to do. I can't fight back. I can't go back home. I can't go here. I can't go there. I can't even get back to church. I'm out here in the wilderness. I'm out here all on my own. I've done everything I could to find refuge, and I feel so low, and I feel so far from you. You're at the end of the earth, disconnected from everything else. Amen. David opened up even deeper to the Lord, not only telling him how far he felt, how lonely he felt, how isolated he felt, and how troubled he felt. He began to open up 
the deep feelings of his heart. And he just simply said to the Lord, my heart is so overwhelmed. My heart is so overwhelmed. I love the prayers of David. I love the Psalms of David because it's not very eloquent. It's not a lot of deep wording like Isaiah and Jeremiah wrote. David learned that you don't have to be eloquent or speak properly or well or have proper pronunciation or dictation, but actually the more simple you keep it, the more God likes it. He learned how to get connected with God by just simply singing and teaching the people to say, let's magnify the Lord together and let us exalt his name together. Oh, give thanks unto him and put clapping with it and hand raising and noise with the simplicity of our language and worship and watch God manifest. And I think sometimes when the presence of the Lord moves upon us and we know things are wrong in our life and we can feel God is saying, ask me what you want of me. Open up your mind and your heart to me. Tell me exactly what I can do for you. At times we look at our calendar and look at our schedule and it's like, where do I even begin I've got bad health here. I've got a bad situation going on like this. I'm facing this legal matter. I'm doing this. I'm taking care of this. My family's got this and this and this. And before you know it, you've mentioned like a hundred things to God. We feel even like bothersome to God. Like complaining and worrying to God. You know what God is really wanting in those moments? Your overwhelmed heart. You notice David didn't say, I've got so much on my mind. Oh, no, it was even far from his mind, all of the problems. It had gotten into his heart. And his heart and his innermost man and his soul, he can't even express all the emotions. The guilt, the shame, the hurt, the betrayal, the confusion. And all he says to God is, my heart is so overwhelmed. I can't even become emotionally drained because every emotion known to man has filled my heart. I don't know where to go, and I don't know what to do. When you begin to become that transparent and that open to the Lord and sharing with him where you are and how you feel, that's how you get prayers answered. Praise the Lord. That's what this worship service is about. That's what we do week after week. It is to experience exactly what David, the word of God, teaches us. That when you praise and offer thanksgiving, don't lock up to God, but open up your heart. Some of you that have been wanting to break the repeated cycles in your life, you are just one prayer away from opening up your overwhelmed heart, amen, to God completely changing your mind and your thought process and completely give you a total new spiritual makeover, praise the Lord. That's what happened to David. So far from perfect, but he praised his way to perfection. He got honest enough, amen, to give him the spirit of holiness. Amen. He held nothing back until God added to him righteousness. And if you will learn to pray like David prayed, amen, God will give you victory over giants. He'll give you victory over vast armies. And yes, he'll even give you victory, amen, from somebody in your family or friend who has turned against you. Praise God. David called out to God. In verse number two, and he said, Lord, he prayed where where he wanted to be. He said, Lord, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. A great rock that is higher than I. I've been out there in what they call the Negev. It's the southern desert in Judea. 
You know, we call it desert, we call it caves. They just simply have one word for it down there, and that is rock, the rock. What would happen is Israel, anytime they knew that they could only win through retreat, and they still do it to this day even, they go to where the rocks are, and they call out to God, Lord, let the rocks fall on us, meaning let the rocks camouflage us from the eyes of our enemies. Rocks fall on us. And that's where David went. That's where he knew the only place he could find protection because in the rock and in the desert, no king, no betrayer, no evil person could find him there. And he's calling out to the Lord, God, put me in a special place that I don't even know about. Lead me to a place that I don't even know, a place off my map, a higher rock that even I am aware of, a higher rock than even I know where or how to get to. David may not have even understood what he was praying then. And that happens sometimes and things start flowing out of your mouth. What's going on is the Holy Ghost has taken over and you're praying things, amen, that the Spirit only knows and that's how supernatural miracles happen. Praise God. He called out to God, lead me to a rock that is even higher than I. And you know, in the mind of God, when he thinks of rock, he thinks of himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Moses led Israel through the wilderness he fed them supernaturally with quail, supernaturally with manna, and supernaturally they drank water, not from a river, not from a lake, but water that came out of a rock. You ever seen a rock do that? All of a sudden, start gushing out water? I've never seen that. Only miraculously could God do that. And I think that's what David was calling out to God for. I need a rock that'll give me water. I need a rock that'll protect me. And ultimately what he was wanting is God's protection. David looked to God for protection. He looked to God to become his everything. David quickly realized that it's not just me shepherding these sheep here, but God is becoming my everything. God has become my shepherd. You know, he had a sword. He started praying prayers like, God is my sword. He had a shield, and God became the shield. Amen. He had a fortress of protection. And he realized it's not this fortress protecting me, amen. God has now become my fortress, hallelujah. He prayed prayers like, God is now my refuge. And in that moment, in that time, running from Saul, God became his rock, praise the Lord. That's how you get prayers answered. That's how when you feel like you're far from God, you get his attention when he becomes your rock. When he becomes your fortress, when he becomes, amen, your shield and your sword, hallelujah. I trust that you have a good banker, but understand this. Your banker is not the one that's really helping you out. God is your banker. I hope you have a good car, but it's ultimately God who is your means of transportation, hallelujah. I hope you got a good counselor or somebody to talk to, but it's ultimately God who is your counselor. Praise the Lord. Amen. If you learn to make God everything, he will do everything for you. Oh, can you clap your hands unto him again and shout on the Lord? That's right. He's your lawyer. He's your doctor. Amen. He's your contractor. He's everything. Praise God. Hallelujah. I tell you, when you start praying... You'll get momentum. David went from saying, Lord, hear my prayer. I'm calling out to you, amen, from the end of the earth. I need a rock, Lord. Oh, you are my rock. It even went deeper than that. He began to talk to God about what he had done for him in the past. Began to even talk to him about how much he missed his house. 
He said, I give my loyalty and my vows to you, and I will return to your house, and I will abide in your tabernacle forever under the shelter of your wings. You see, David learned how to communicate with God out in the wilderness, but he knew if I'm ever going to truly make it, I can't do this all on my own. I need God's people, and I need to be in God's house. Hallelujah. I met a man one time, invited him to church. He said, I already go to church. I said, really, where do you go? He said, the woods. I said, I've never heard of that church. He said, no, the woods. I go to the church in the woods. And I said, well, I mean, I've taken some nature walks, and I've had, you know, God move upon me. But uh, have you ever had a tree pray for you? And he said, no. I said, how are you going to be ministered to? He just looked at me. I said, have you ever had a church preach to you? Do you have Pastor Sycamore over there and uh, youth pastor, you know, Brother Oak over there and choir director, Brother Maple and Sister Ash over here? And he just looked at me like, come on, man. I said, I'm being serious. I said, have you ever ministered to a tree and a tree ministered to you? And all of a sudden the light bulbs came on. And I said, understand this, Jesus got crucified on a tree. That's the greatest tree or the woods you're ever going to find in your life. God's not coming back to take a force to heaven. Amen. He's coming back for his church. You want to be ready for the coming of the Lord? You got to be at church. Praise God. Amen. You start talking to God about how much you love this place, how much you love God's people. Oh, my friend, he'll answer your prayers even if you're at the end of your rope and at the end of the earth. Amen. David loved God so much. This is in the Old Testament time. Amen. We get to feel the glory of God that even the high priest felt only one time a year. You and I get to feel it Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And during that time, God's glory would manifest on the Ark of the Covenant. It now manifests inside of our hearts. Amen. Here today. Praise God. In the Old Testament time, the glory of the Lord moved around the tabernacle and would move around the temple. David wasn't a priest, and he knew, I can't get next to that ark. I can't even get up and touch it. It's only meant for certain people. But he said, I can do only one thing. I can only get in touch with it one way. If I can't touch the ark itself, I can at least get into its shadow. And as the sun would come up from the east and cast a shadow on the ground, David wouldn't go up to the ark, but instead he would just get into the very shadow of the Almighty God. And it was there under the wings of those cherubim on the Ark of the Covenant, amen, that God would give David answers, that God would give David direction, that God, amen, would heal his body when he had sickness, that God would help his children and help his army, amen. That's why we come to the house of the Lord week after week, because your devotion here, amen, is how God will be devoted to you out there. Your love for him in here, amen, God will love you out there. Amen. You can find strength just in the presence of the Lord here among the saints of the living God. Hallelujah. God wants to give you direction. He wants to give you blessing. And if you will stay in the shadow of the church and the shadow of Almighty God, I don't care how far you are from God. Amen. He'll hear your prayer. Praise God. Amen. He loved God's house. He loved God's presence. He even loved God's shadow he took his prayers to another level and he began to speak over the heritage that God had given to him he said Lord hear my words hear my vows you have given me a heritage of those who fear your great name his heritage he was talking about Abraham Isaac and Jacob 
talking about his father, talking about Boaz. You can read his genealogy. He's going through the line there saying, Lord, you helped Abraham get through tough times. You helped him get through famine. You helped him get through war. You helped Isaac, his son, my forefather, get through major troubles. You helped Jacob get through so many troubles, Lord. He started quoting the stories of the heritage that he had, praise God. I heard the testimony of a man in class this morning, a man in this church. I'm going to try to keep this as family friendly as possible. He said he was at a moment in his life, it was just him, his car, and his 22, and he was ready to end it all. But right before that happened, he started hearing the prayers of his mother. She wasn't even in the car with him, but he started thinking about mom and started thinking about her prayers. And through the prayers that he remembered and hearing them in his own mind's ear, amen, he lived another day and he's serving the Lord, amen, and God is using him in ministry in this church. I will never forget when I was about 14, I, uh, I've never been in and out of church, but I have been a little up and down in my life. And uh, you can just imagine being an eighth grader, getting older, coming out of childhood, approaching teen years <clears throat> and into the adult years. And uh, all the things that are going on in school, things other kids are doing and saying, and I gotta be honest with you, temptation was starting to look really good to me. I had a little bit of that teenage rebellion, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, my dad took me with him to go and preach somewhere. He didn't take me to go preach. He was going to preach. He took me to follow him, okay, right? <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> normally, I'd done that with him before. Normally, he would never, he would acknowledge me a little bit, but never talk about me, never talk about this church or other things. You know, he just made it all about the church he was preaching at, all about the pastor of the church he's preaching at, and make it all about them in that setting. I'll never forget, in the middle of his message, he preached a message Back in the 90s, he called unprecedented faith. Maybe some of you remember that message. I will never forget it. You know, you just have some messages that your bishop preaches to you that are just stuck with you. And that's probably where I got a lot of my faith was from that message, unprecedented faith. But I'll never forget, it was up at a church in Nebraska, and he's preaching, and he stops in the middle of his message. And there I was, had <clears throat> the world on my mind, had life, what life could be like outside of church on my mind and thinking about all the other options that this world had to offer. I hadn't tried it, but I was thinking about it. And I will never forget my dad preaching away and he just stopped and he said, I want this church to know that the hand of God is upon my son, Justin Gleason. And he went back to preaching. That's all he said, the hand of God is upon my son, Justin Gleason. And I remember thinking, I believe in God. And I believe in the hand of God. I've seen the hand of God on other people, but I never believed in that moment that God would ever have his hand upon me. And just the mention of that word of faith in the middle of that message, my mind began to change. And I realized this world does not have its hand on me. The devil does not have his hand upon me, but I've got something greater in store for me than this world could ever offer. And just right there in the middle of that message, unprecedented faith, I said, world, I'll never follow you. Devil, I'll never be deceived by you, but this is where I belong. This is the place that I am meant to be. I've come to tell you it's time to start remembering 
what somebody spoke over you and what somebody prayed over you and what somebody ministered to you because it was in those moments, amen, that'll carry you to the here and now and into the future, amen. That's what David did. He began to pray the prayers of the patriarchs upon his life, praying the prayers of Samuel on his life and out there feeling far from God, just the prayers, amen, of the people kept him going, hallelujah. Remember what somebody prayed over you. Remember what they said. Because prayers are never just for a moment. Oh no. The Bible says that even up in heaven, the prayers of the saints are stored as incense and vials up in heaven. Amen. What your mother prayed for you, it's still up there ready to be answered. What your grandmother prayed over you, it's up there still ready to be answered. What your friend prayed over you, amen, years ago, it's still up there ready for to be answered. Amen. This is the power of praying. Amen. Even when you feel far away from God, you tell God how you feel. You tell God where you're at. You tell God what you've been through. You tell God what you miss. You tell God where you want to be. And you remind him, this person prayed over me. I've got to make it. This person said it about me. I've got to make it. That's why David, in running for his life, he said, they prayed over me. You will prolong the king's life. That is me. My years will have many generations. That's what they spoke over me. I'm not going to die. And the prayers of other people kept David going. He lived another day. He got back to the kingdom. Amen. Because of praying people that he had upon his life. Amen. That's why when somebody asks me to pray over them, I do it. Because in that moment, in that time, I know, amen, I don't know exactly what's going to come out, but their faith, amen, and my obedience is going to mix and God is going to do something so special and so real and so awesome. Never be afraid to ask somebody, would you just please pray for me? Would you just please speak a word to me? Because in those moments in time, that's when the ear of God bows down to somebody who feels so far away from God and the Lord will deliver you out of the problem. He'll bring you out of the situation and he will set your feet, amen, on a high rock and you say amen amen of the musicians that please come I've told this story before this morning I just felt a nudge from the Holy Ghost to tell it again years ago there was a man that visited our church and I noticed he liked to sit on the back row and uh, if you want to know a secret Amen. The preachers preach to the back row. You want to hide? Get up on that front row. No, I'm just kidding. That is a joke. Not true at all. We preach to everybody. Whether you're in here or out in the hall or in the bathroom or wherever, we're preaching to you. Come on. Sorry. God's eye is on you wherever you're at in life, whether you feel close or whether you feel far. And I noticed this man, anytime we would worship, he would try but couldn't do it. Anytime we gave the altar call, I could tell he wanted to come forward, but he couldn't do it. This was a man who felt so far from God. And I went up and shook his hand and said, oh, you want to go get a little coffee this week? He said, yeah, I'd like that. And uh, he got there before me. And, uh, man, I love those people that if they're on time, they feel like they're late. You know, I just love that, man. This guy showed up before me and I walked in, we got our coffees, we sat down, and, you know, I was just going to just schmooze with him, you know, not talk about the Lord, not talk about church, but just kind of get to know him. And I looked down, and he had brought in a big old stack of books with him, and there was a Bible there, and then a bunch of theological books. 
and he looked at me and he said, Preacher, this book says this, this book says this, you say this, you say this, you say that. And uh, I got a question. You talk about baptism, you talk about the Holy Ghost, you talk about this. But uh, what about all these other churches out there that say this and this and this and this? Are they going to hell? The normal Justin would say, give me your Bible. The Bible says right here, I'm not saying it's Jesus saying it. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Amen. you got to be born of the water and the spirit to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's uh, what the normal Justin would say. But in that moment, in that time, while I'm drinking coffee in a crowded coffee house, something else flew out of my mouth. And I said, well, what do they say in the Marines? Kill them and let God sort it out. And I thought, oh, my God, I can't believe I just said that. What is wrong with me? I thought, how rude, how impolite. But I looked up to my surprise. Tears started welling up in his eyes, and he started to laugh. You know the type of laugh when you haven't laughed in months, maybe years, that laugh, it's like almost an awkward laugh. You almost don't even know how to laugh. It's almost like creepy sounding. God wants to give some of you your laughter back, some of your joy back. Even if it sounds a little unnatural and awkward, whatever, you got to start somewhere to get it back, praise God. Started laughing so hard, it started even causing a scene, and I, and I waved and said, You're, we're okay here, you know, people were looking at us, you know, drinking their coffee, you know, I'm like, we're fine, we're fine, we're fine. When he got his composure, he said, that is something. He said, uh, wow, and he started to pray, thank you, God, thank you, Lord. And I thought, I haven't even opened the Bible. I haven't preached. All I just said, kill him and let God sort it out. And God's moving on this man. I don't understand this. And he said, what you don't know is, I've got this going on in my life, this going on in my life, and I'm facing this and facing that. Let me tell you, his life is a mess, just a mess. And he said, what you don't know is, I've got uh, my 40 caliber out in the car, and I asked God for a sign I said, Lord, I'm going to ask this man about this religion and that religion. And if he says what they taught me in the Marines, kill him and let God sort it out, I'll take it as a sign that I'm supposed to live another day and trust this man and trust this church. He just happened to pray that in his car before he walked in, just a quick prayer. Probably in his mind thinking God would never listen to that. God would never, ever take time for something like that. But let me tell you, the prayers of David are just like that. Pouring out your grievances. Talking about, Lord, this is what you said. This is what I say. This is what I want. This is what you can do. This is what I can can do. And making agreements with God. And all that man asked was for a sign from heaven. And thank God I was able to yield to the Holy Ghost and just let that fly out of my mouth. As crazy as it sounded, it ministered supernaturally to that person. Let me tell you, I watched him. After a few weeks, he moved up a row. A few weeks later, he moved up a row until finally in the altar praying and in the baptism tank. Amen. God changed his life, blessed him, and he's doing well. Let's all stand. Praise God. If you feel far out from the Lord, don't pray quietly. You're in a Pentecostal church. We like it loud around here. Don't pray softly. Pray loud. You're not going to bother anybody. Altar call, anything goes. 
If you feel so far from God and you need to get to a place of safety, tell God, I need to go to that rock. And really, that's you. You are my fortress. You are my security. You are my armed guard, Lord. Remind God, amen, what he's done for you. Remind the Lord what other people have prayed over you and spoken over you. Remind the Lord how much you love this church. And that, my friends, amen, is how you get the attention of God. And the Lord, who may seem so far away, will begin to feel so close. And in just a matter of time, he will order your life and save you from trouble. Father, I just pray right now in these uncertain, Lord, times. There's rumors of war, great rumors of war. Great rumors, Lord, of famine coming and great rumors of this and that and the other. And Lord, a lot of us are scared. And a lot of us are worried. And a lot of us, amen, are under attack, Lord. A lot of us feel so far, Lord, and so in danger, Lord, but here is a safe place. And I just pray, amen, that the faith and the heart of King David would move upon us right now to cry out to you from the ends of the earth, Lord. Our hearts are so overwhelmed and our lives, amen, are so full of despair and destruction. And I pray, amen, right now that the nearness of God would fall upon us. I wonder if there's anybody right now you want to come forward and lift up your voice unto the Lord today to feel the nearness of the Lord and pray to him the prayers of David. This altar is open right now for anybody. Amen. Would you cry out to him? Don't worry about crying. God loves tears. He loves them. Don't worry about it sounds like God loves simple language. Don't worry about what it looks like. Amen. A broken heart is so beautiful unto the Lord. Amen. Amen. I don't care if you know you've got demons inside of you. Come up to the altar. We'll get them out of you. You're sick in body. Come to the altar. We'll get it out of you. You fail time and time and again. Don't worry about it. God loves failures. Amen. He wants to give you wins. Hallelujah. How about somebody pray the prayers of your grandmother to the Lord today? Pray the prayers of pastor over you today. Amen. Speak the promises of God over this church, over your own life today. Hallelujah. Some of you, amen, this church is going to finish strong. Amen. Some of you pray the prayer over your own life. I'm going to finish strong. I'm going to finish strong. Hallelujah. Cry out to God. Cry out to him. Hallelujah. Jesus, 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 have mercy on me. Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.